Hey, JR, did you bring your high chair this time? Ouch. Is this another short joke? Look, I can't help it. I was born a wee person, all right? I think it's like dis like mocking the disabled is against the rules or something. You can't mock the little people. All hey, right? it's one broken broke Watch dick mocking another broke dick. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to have to like call the ADA or something like, my friend's making fun of me. All right. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, allow us to put the fun in dysfunctional and introduce you to our favorite <laughs> new guest, Mr. Reginald Lewis. Can you introduce yourself yeah. to our listeners and viewers, please? Hey, how's everyone doing? My name is Reggie, uh, Reggie Camp. That's a full name, but um, let's see. I'm originally from California, Stockton, California. Uh, that's where I was raised, born in Cleveland. Uh, I joined the Air Force in 2005, I believe. I went to um, first base in Charleston, South Carolina. Great place, wonderful place. Um, then I went to a horrible place called Columbus, Mississippi. So if any God. listeners are for Columbus, Mississippi, I'm sorry, but it was just, it was terrible there. But then after that, I went to the best place in the entire world, uh, a little island in the South Pacific Ocean called Guam. Oh, I, I, was, I was wondering, I'm like, Dragon Con's not a, they don't have a duty station at Dragon Con. Oh, no, no, no. this is yeah, Guam, best place in the world. I would love to live there forever, but. Unfortunately, after about four years, I had to come back to uh, Georgia, which isn't that bad, but it's not Guam. So no, but we do have Dragon Con. Yes, I, need, I should go there one day. When's the next? You one? know, I, I might know some people about that. Oh yeah, yeah. We, she's the track director for the fantasy side of things, which oh, uh, is right okay. up your alley. But so, just to clear things up for you, dear listener, he introduced himself by his his given name, but he publishes yeah, as Reginald name. Lewis because yeah. he wants to sound proper, so people can mistake him for a Charlestonian. He doesn't quite have it though; his nose is not high enough in the air for that. Mm -hmm, so he's right. going to have to work on his airs if he wants to be properly Charlestonian and can claim South Abroad status. Uh, and if you know, you know. Yeah. But uh, hey, did you we, ever we uh, go to the get more hate mail? There was a bar up there. It had a whole bunch of right. stairs. I think it was called Wet Willies. Do you guys remember that place? Oh, dude, we had them in Savannah. They're awesome. Yeah, well, I just remember one of my most vivid memories of that place is one of my coworkers was being thrown down those stairs by uh, some security guards over there. So and he didn't even do anything. So there was a fight, and he had nothing to do with it. I watched the whole thing. There was a fight over in the corner, and for some reason, the security guards picked him up, maybe because he was the smallest person. Probably. They just, yeah, they just wanted an excuse to throw him down the stairs, I think. And I think as soon as they saw him that night, they're like, I'm going to find an excuse to throw him down the stairs. And they did. So when I did my first deployment, we were working with the Charleston Naval Weapon Station as part of our build up to the deployment for some of our training. So they had us staying at the Marriott in downtown Charleston. So we did do some of those bar crawls. And, and I might have partaken in a few beverages in that fine establishment. And those... <laughs> uh, Gentlemen that guard the gates, they, they like to throw people out. I mean, so maybe there were some, some fists thrown. Maybe we were a little bit. Here's the thing. What Willie. They should have defenestrated us. What Willie started in Savannah. And you're not supposed to stay at Wet Willie's. It's like to topping off at the gas station. You oh. get you fuel, you walk on. But that's because Savannah 
as long as you're south of Forsyth Park, is open drink, open. Oh, I, I almost called it open yeah. carry, but it's open, open, open <laughs> container. Too, there you go. Open beverages. And uh, so you're I, supposed I, to like get, go, wander around, come back, refill, go. We just went where the drinks were cheap. We were E2s, E3s on a budget. Hey. And almost all of our EAH was going is. towards beverages. So, I mean, I, I it was one of my slides up and down the E section of the three to... Anyway, long yeah. story, I've already told you the master of I was really good. Look, I was only a corporal three times, and I kept it the last time for a whole week before they said, hey. you know what? You are going to mess up so badly, I'm just going to make you a sergeant. And I'm hey. like, I can handle that. Hey, you know what? As long as you so, get there, right? But one of those was a bar in Charleston that, that we were celebrating my first deployment a little too hard. And let me just tell you that the uh, the, the Air Force MPs aren't as nice as Army MPs. And so then when they dropped us off, they were a little bit rougher than they needed to. I'm just going to put that That's out there. That's probably because you were putting oh. your foot in your mouth. Maybe. but Maybe there was the a little Force... bit of that. And maybe we were flirting with her. But look, in our defense, beer goggles are a thing. Well, in your defense, you know, the, the Air Force is amazing we in that they are the Army's daughter, and they recently just spawned a granddaughter for the Army. Space Force, right? <laughs> That's right. I had a friend that went to Space Force. I mean, and, and, and everybody I'm kind of jealous. Like, yes, we're not being made fun of anymore. Yeah, we do get made fun and of so a if lot, anything, I'm not mad about it. If uh, if anybody, anything we have said tonight, dear listeners, has offended you, I want you to know that all hate mail can be sent you can to blame Blast Nick. at Blasters and Blades Posca and Blasters and Blades Podcast.com. can't even say the show name. This is light stuff compared to any of the things I've heard. Yeah, no, we, we like I said, we put the fun in dysfunctional. I, yes, all right. Like true so this, veterans. That's so, the only way to be. Uh, so the uh, the second part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we first found them, and this is a, a one that doesn't happen very often, but Reggie actually found us, and again, Reginald Lewis, uh, he actually found us because he's a listener of the show, so when he got his first book out, he goes, it'd be kind of fun to nerd out one veteran to another, and, oh, yeah, uh, and so we said, you know what, let's do that. So 100%. I thought with a name like Reginald Lewis, he might be a little stuffier than he was. I'm pleasantly surprised that, that he is not. <laughs> it, 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 well, I am in the Air Force, too. It's Reginald and being Air Force. Yeah, see, that's what it is. I'm in the Air Force, too. Yeah. I'm a mechanic, so I'm, we are not stuffy. Oh, oh, yeah, no, that's an entirely different breed. It's, we're not even in the military. No, I, I, You know what? I loved my mechanics. Absolutely. Even though I did scare them. <laughs> I, I had a habit of, um, I looked at my one of the mechanics one day for our, our um, uh, FLAs, and I went... So squirrels make the engine work, right? And he goes, are you, are, you, are you joking? And I went, and I just smiled. And from then on, it was very easy. I I, I had one for each kind of me mechanic, for each kind of vehicle or generator we had in my, my medical company. And I just had them in my phone. And I even had them labeled by what they worked on. Oh. And if I had a problem, I just called them. And then I bribed them with home-baked cookies. That works. Home baked cookies, uh, tornadoes, monsters, all that stuff works. Oh, oh yeah, no. The the funny one was the time when they sent me to go find the donkey dick, which is apparently a real thing. Yep, it is. And I looked at them and I went, "No, that's not real." And they went, "Yes, it is real. Go ask the go ask in the motor pool for it." So I go up and I went, 
I swear to God, if any of you make fun of me, uh, I will hurt you by the gods. I will uh, hurt you. And this new NCO is like, why is she threatening? And I'm like, I need a donkey dick. And they're like, no, that really is a thing. Small. Here you go. <laughs> it is. Yep. No, I actually, so, I work on the planes. So, okay. But it's the same thing. Okay. We're all, all dysfunctional and idiots. So, Well, you know, it's okay. We, so, were, honestly, we were actually replaced on my on my last tour. Our replacement unit was an Air Force unit. They the Air Force did them dirty when they sent them over like that. They all showed up and they're like, I, we watched them have their little meeting. Like, all right, for our first sergeant, who has data rank before me? And they were like all trading data rank cards to figure out their chain of command in country. I'm like, did you guys not know each other before you got here? Nah, it'll yeah. be okay. Yeah, that's, that is, that's that a little, is what we like, do. And then, that of course, they they got the guy that comes up to me because, you know, I was the infantry attachment to this this trans company to do the, the escorts. Like, we were assigned to the gun trucks. And so we just pull the trigger and it shoots, right? Yes. Like, simple. Yeah, simple. If, you set the, if you set the headspace and timing and you tweak the – what's headspace? Oh, God, no. Are you pranking me? But they weren't. Nope. So that was interesting. And then it's the funny okay. one was Somebody we were in the middle of – Yes, yeah, someone got the man the chairs. With, exactly, the they green, might put away. When the green away. zone was still a war zone. True. We were in the middle of Baghdad when the green zone was still a war zone. We Ooh. were taking fire, and one of the rounds ricocheted and hit one of the um, truck's tires. So we had to stop to do a combat tire change because it, it took out enough of them that, that it just wasn't going anywhere if we didn't change that tire. So in the middle of that, this girl starts crying. And she's not crying because she's a girl. She's just crying because she was convinced that as a driver in the Air Force, she would be taking Tom Cruise to the flight line and she was going to marry him. Yep. That's why she enlisted. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> in the middle of a desert exactly war right. zone, she's wearing perf perfume. I'm like, you do know that attracts flies, right? Oh. Like, they like the smell. Of it. No, no, no. Body funk will keep you alive, lady. And she's just that crying sounds in like the middle. Green peas. Like, I got no. I got like. Yeah, well, we actually had a lady who fought when she enlisted in the Air Force. And, like, again, this isn't no, on no, the no, Air Force. No, 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 no. We had a soldier. She we called her like the Peace Corps with guns. She thought she was enlisting in Greenpeace. Yes, we've, we've had. So we had, had one that thought like the that. Air Force was just like like the Greenpeace with guns, though. Like, yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Not, not really. We <laughs> but, had an Army medic who but, thought. But, how did you get through basic training and tech school still thinking that? That's that's what that's 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 crazy to me. Oh, I don't understand the ones in the army. It's even more because one of the things they teach you with the bayonet drill is they teach you to stab. And when you're stabbing with the bayonet, they ask you about the spirit of the bayonet, which is to kill, kill, kill with cold steel. <laughs> what makes the grass grow? Blood, blood, blood makes the grass grow. How do you make it through that and think anything peaceful is the objective? I don't know. I, I don't know either. We had a guy who was a maintenance, and he was a he described himself as a conscientious conscientious objector, and he didn't feel comfortable uh, working on planes that had weapons or bombs or anything because we worked on C seventeens in Charleston, so it was always an issue with him. And I think he ended up getting uh, separated, but he was like, "Yeah, I joined the Air Force because I wanted to do you know serve my country, but do it in a peaceful way." And everyone's like. To be a medic. You do realize that these C-17s like transport weapons of death and destruction across the whole entire world, right? He's like, yeah, but... And Charleston was also... servicing the war. They were sitting directly to Iraq. Yeah, and then he's like, yeah, but they also they, they deliver food, and I'm only going to work on those. I was like, uh, that's not how this works. The plane breaks, and you go and work on the broken plane. Yeah. I never <laughs> understood like, this, this, how... this, but... yeah, this works. 
I grew up in a in my mom's an army brat, and uh, I grew up also with the very rare distinction of being born overseas in a Ooh. space where uh, we didn't have fire drills. They called them fire drills, but they were really bomb drills instead. Mm. So I mean, you know, I grew up a little bit more security conscious. Yeah. I don't understand people, yeah. but we have. Speaking of questions that get to understand yeah. people, we have the religion, the religion question. Questions. Okay. So Avatar, the blue mankind, not the uh, monks. Okay. Children of Men or Serenity? Uh, it's going to have to be Avatar. It's going to have to be Avatar. Uh, it, it is a pretty awesome one. That movie. So I saw it in theaters and that experience yes. was just amazing. <laughs> like there's there was nothing so, like so he, Nothing like You it. told me when in the pre-show he... He told us when he enlisted, so I picked movies that would have been out in theaters before he joined the Air Force, so I knew he had a chance to see them. Yeah, that, I get that a win. movie. And, and then I saw it again, not with the 3D effects, and it was terrible. But in the theater, that was one of the best <laughs> movies I've ever seen. It so were you just, rooting for the Blue Men or for the for the Mercs? Uh, of course the Blue Men, of course. How can you not? And I don't yeah. know, that Merc guy was kind of, I was like, yeah, get some! Oh, wait, and then he everyone wasn't in wrong. the movie theater is just looking at you. You know that was a everyone in the movie theater is looking of, at you. Uh, Fern Gully, right? Yes, it was the yes, adult version I, of Fern Gully. And I am of such an age that I watched, guy. I remember Fern Gully when it was a really big thing, too. Yeah. Me, too. But when you start cheering for the bad guy before you realize it, and then everyone just turns and they look at you, <laughs> you suddenly become that guy. And I'm just like, hi. All right, I'm going to go eat my popcorn now. Did That's you why see, you don't uh, hear your opinions in theaters. There was this movie with Jamie Foxx and Gerard Butler. I forget what it was called, but Gerard Butler was the bad guy. But I was like cheering for him. I forget what that movie was called, but pretty much yeah. like uh, his his daughter was like killed, or no, his family was killed, and he got revenge on all the people. Law abiding citizen and, is that it? Yes, law abiding citizen. Yes. See, um, for me, that movie is Clamp X, which is an anime. And uh, my brothers know what, how, if they want to deal with me, by which side I'm rooting for. Oh, I don't think I've seen They're like, that. oh, oh, she's rooting for that side. Bye. <laughs> the Clamp X? I'm, I'm going to write yes. that down. I always love me some anime, so. So, well, it's it's an old school anime, but uh, it's, it's good. Um, but yeah, no. Clamp X is one of those where if you're rooting for the dragons of heaven, they're like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't talk to her today. Ooh. I like it. I like it. Like it was it. my breakup movie. <laughs> Wait, so, was, I, I do have a question. Sure. Oh, go ahead. How is this a breakup movie? You, yeah. you've, you've, because you've if you're rooting you for that. one side, you're rooting for the death and destruction of humanity. Mm. I, mean, I was not was, a nice was, movie. Is Thanos right? Is, is, is Thanos right? Should, I mean, no. most well, days I'm pretty much there, no, so that's my default You know setting. what? There were points in my Same. teenager where I thought Thanos was overly optimistic about humanity. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair, fair. All right. Okay. The so dark is not, like the army did not join me, my dark side. <laughs> oh, wait, go ahead, Hanley. No. no. So is the is it pretty much required to like anime to join the Air Force? Is that like a requirement? And like at the end doc, they ask that question. You've never <laughs> it met depends. One you didn't, so. It depends on your career field. So in maintenance, you have what's called like the uh, we call them the knuckle draggers. So that would be your jet engine troops, your crew chiefs, and then you have what we call the pointy heads. 
which are the avionics troops, the people, the calm math troops, the people that deal with all the computers. So if you are a calm math troop or a pointy head, then yes, you must like anime. You must play D&D. You must play Counter-Strike 1.6, not anything else, only Counter-Strike 1.6. If you are a knuckle dragger, you're not allowed to like any of those things. Yeah. So, so are you a rebel? Are you a knuckle dragger who likes all the yes. other stuff? I am an I am a jet engine oh, troop, and I liked. Uh, so I messed up. One of the first animes I watched, I think I was eleven or twelve, way too young to be watching it, was Ninja Scroll. So yes, way too young to be watching. Yes, it. way too young to be watching Ninja Scroll. But I saw it. I was like, this is amazing. Like the 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 style, the violence, all that stuff was amazing. So, the artwork and the drawing of it is very much, but it is. Yeah, definitely. My brothers tried to get my mom told me I was the I was being uptight when I told her I didn't think my third grade year old brothers should be watching it. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And then she saw the first five minutes of it and she went, go pull it out while they're not looking because they were paying attention to the computer. Yeah. And she goes, nope, nope, the video didn't work because that was back in the days of Blockbuster. Yeah, no. Smart move because you know back in the nineties it was a wild wild west and nobody knew what you. Well, were because doing. everybody went, oh, it's a cartoon, so it's fine. Yep, exactly. It's so. pictures. It's fine. Yeah, and you know what? I know a lot of things that are pictures that are not fine. Yep. So it went from Ninja Scroll, and then it went to Dragon Ball, and then it stayed at Dragon Ball, then Gundam, and then my favorite anime of all time is uh, Hajime no Ippo. So there's that one, and then uh, after that, it was you know all of them. It was. Uh, uh, you know they have Gundam got... models now still. Yeah, I had a, I had a couple. I never really got into the models. I just like watching the show. It's I love Do you it. watch them dubbed or do you prefer that the 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 what do you call it when it's at the bottom? Subtitles? Oh, right? Yeah, it was it's subbed because of the voices. So I started watching things subbed, and then when I tried to watch it dubbed, the voices just didn't work for me. That's fair. Huh. So, yeah. So now getting back on topic, now that we've discussed our taste in anime, <laughs> yeah. um, what fantasy movie would be your favorite? Dungeons and Dragons, Jason and the Argonaut, or Dragonheart, A New Beginning? Oh, you picked all three trash ones. Uh, ah, yes. okay. A New Beginning's not my favorite one. Who love Dragonheart? The first one was great. It was awesome. First yes. one is banging classic but the second one no no dungeons and dragons okay, so, I guess. so what I is your opinion dragons see dungeons and dragons what is, is your so opinion generally but i like cheesy b-grade movies like some of the yeah. best time i had watching movies are true but like watch the b-grade like werewolf nazis take on whatever like those are the funny horror movies that are just <laughs> they're iconic dogman right people that have watched Dog. it if you know you know like those are some of the best True. It's a reserve uh, British army unit in training that suddenly okay. werewolves attack. You say, you say oh, Dogman, and I have funny. an elementary school child, so I'm thinking of a comic. Oh, yeah, yeah. My son, reads, he likes Dogman. I'm but not up in the picture books. Sorry. The comic. You are a picture I book. I will send you the hyperlink for the IMD page. Please do, because that <laughs> sounds fire. It is gloriously cheesy in all the right ways. I like, yeah, I like, I like some, I like some cheese. I'll, I'll watch the Sci-Fi Channel from time to time just for some cheesy. 
So that was before, like, I remember when MTV played music videos and when the Sci-Fi Channel actually had actually had Sci-Fi. Now it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, now it's all like ghost hunting and alien pyramids. I remember and- when Friday nights and Saturday mornings were anime on Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, I don't remember that. I remember my Saturday yeah. mornings were excellent. I remember when Spider-Man. they showed Akira. Fire movie. Fire movie. I hope they don't make a, a live action all remake. Right. I don't think you could. Hope. I really don't think you could. The I visuals that about Cowboy hard. Bebop, but here we are. I, I have refrained from watching the Cowboy Bebop one because Edward is my favorite. And oh, I'm gosh. You do not want to see what they did with Edward. I, I've heard. I've heard. I've read the stories. Uh, um, no. How about those cowboys? All right, we Sometimes here at the Blasters and Blades podcast, Doc. I'm trying to to pull you out of the pit of misery that is the Cowboy Bebop live action. We do not. Need I to will go make there. you watch you have a real Cowboy Bebop. Real I, don't, I, don't, I, I can't. You don't, you don't want to do that to yourself, Doc. You thought yeah. 2021 and 2020 yeah. were bad. You'll yeah. watch that, and it gets worse. So we here at the Blasters and Blades podcast like both the fantastical and the scientific. So which was your mm. first love, sci-fi or fantasy? Fantasy, 100%. Uh, it was – my parents got me the Dragonlance. So it was Dragons of uh, Autumn, uh, Summer, and Winter. It was all of them combined. So this big, giant, thick tome. And they just – I don't know why they got it for me. But I was like, I'm not reading that. That's huge. Because so, they probably want boys like dragons. Yeah, so then I got grounded and I had no video games, couldn't go outside. So I was like, you know what, I'll start reading it. And it was like 20 pages in, I was hooked. Absolutely hooked. I think I read the whole thing in like that whole weekend. And then I, was like, I, I need more. I need more. So I just kept reading more Dragon well, Lance. And, and, then, uh, and they got you amazing authors to start with. So yeah, they that, really set your bar and your standard. Like they gave you a good standard to start with. That those books did you ever do? Did you ever do any of those uh, choose your own adventure fantasy books? No, but I did the Goosebumps one. I mean, I guess you consider that fantasy, but yeah, I I, I love those. It's horror, so spec fic. Yeah, yeah. yeah they was, had uh, one, a Lone Wolf one that were pretty good. I used to love those. I saved them all and passed them on to my kids. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I my kids really yeah. I did the same thing. My kids read the uh, read my Goosebumps books. My daughter finished reading the uh, Slappy one, The Night of the Living Mummy, or no, Dummy. I don't remember. Yeah, I remember but, that one. I know what you're talking they, about. Yeah, they they had, and then my son was reading the uh, Monster Blood one. So it's pretty nice, you know, just seeing that whole cycle again. And you know what, my kids love, or my son loves the most, and I'm really really happy that he loves it, is Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That, he loves Calvin and Hobbes. So uh, I'm pretty happy about that. Who doesn't? That's iconic. That's a taste of yeah, I think that's there. a personality test. I've met people who didn't li- love Calvin and Hobbes. Who? And I'm going to tell you, they weren't worth remembering. They're not real people. They're like aliens. There's just something not right. It's they're, like, okay, you are definitely not my people if you don't like Calvin and Hobbes. They're, they're lizard people. So, so here's yeah. the te- litmus test for me. If they don't like Calvin and Hobbes, you're right. That does say something about their character. If they put pineapple on pizza, that also says some, something about their character. And if they can fold the fitted sheet. Oh, yeah. If they can fold the fitted sheet, sheet, they're wizards. No, no, they're wizards. I do they're wizards. They're, they're... Gotta fold that, yeah. Well, it explains a lot, pizza, though. Explains a lot. Mm-mm. It's not It's not okay. Uh, oh, uh, see, we the, got people at work. You know, okay. that is not the way. 
Yeah, yeah. there's people at work that will argue for putting pineapple on pizza and even peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly pizza. Yeah, it's disgraceful. It's how about a cauliflower? I've seen a cauliflower and avocado pizza. No, no, those are there are worse things than pineapple on pizza. Yeah, this is true. We can all unite behind that's even worse, but I mean, it's all shades of horrible, right? So you basically say you don't want any taste. I get it. Um, so what is your first memory of engaging in, in engaging in spec fic? Was it reading the Dragonlance books or was there a video game, a game, a board game or something before that in other I genre think meetings? If if I'm gonna be my memory is, you know, I've I've been boxing for like 20 years, so my memory's a little shaky. I'm almost 100 percent sure my first introduction to spec fic was the willow nes game wow oh that was trash but the movie was awesome uh that that game was so trash but i'm almost 100 sure that was my very first introduction to anything you know fantasy wizards anything like that even i think sci-fi i don't think i yeah i'm pretty sure it was it was willow trash did you ever watch the movie no, I never watched the movie because the game made me so mad. I didn't want nothing to do with Willow. So the movie is much, much better mm. than the game, which is quite often, in my experience, the case. Okay, well, so, I just, yeah. I, yeah, it's got that getting past the first level. No, that's okay. You know what? My favorite IP on Earth made they made it into a video game, and I couldn't play more than thirty minutes of it. So. Which one? They had a Dragon Rise Yes, they Which did. One? I even have a copy of it. Dragon Rise of Pern. Oh, I never played that one. Yes, it was done by a British company. It really sucked. Ooh, I remember they had a Dungeons and Dragons game in the arcade that was fire. Oh, I can imagine that would be good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I, I've been trying I, to find a copy. I had one that was on the PC for for Dungeons and Dragons but it ended up being like it was some sort of glitch they recalled all of them cuz you couldn't make it past the build the castle phase in the to, to start your campaign Oh like, do you remember the old, old ones the gold box games it was like um gosh they're like this is back in like 1993 it was like uh they were at gold box games and it was on the P, like the very first like Mac computer and they were like oh, wow. Dungeons and Dragons games you guys ever, ever nope. played those? No, I, I we had Commodore sixty four growing up. Oh, okay. So it's old. It was old when we had it too. But I mean, we could play Pitfall in Frogger, so hey. in Boulder Dash. So we were we were in there. Which hey, I guess you know technically Boulder Dash was fantasy concept. So we'll go with that. Hey. Okay. All right. So the what next is question it that you love about? Well. What is it that you love about speculative fiction as a genre? Uh, it just, I mean, it tells a story. I mean, I'm a story person. I like characters, so I like experiences. So, uh, like, one of the best characters, in my opinion, is uh, probably saying the name wrong because I rarely ever said it out loud, is Tasselhoff, the Kender. Yes! Dragonlance. Dragonlance. I liked him more than I like Raceland. Everyone loves Raceland. Dude, no, no, no. Kenders love- are my piece to speak. I, I want to be a Kinder. I love I love Tasselhoff. He was great, um, and just his whole journey. Because I, I mean, I, I'm talking about. I read the very first one all the way up till and spoiler when he died and he met with the dwarf at under the tree. 
Like, yeah. And then he used the one that I think his knife killed the chaos God and he ended up getting crushed. But either way, his whole arc was just amazing. So, uh, no, I Tasselhoff and the kin- Kinders are my favorite. I, I have several friends who have accused me of being a very tall version of a Kinder. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, they may yeah, not be wrong. Good to know. I, I just like the I like the experiences. I mean, I like the uh, you know different characters and how uh, just reading about their lives and and all of that because um, I don't know, I just get you know you just get into it, you just get drawn into it, and it just becomes like they become kind of like your friends, I guess you know. They are, and you hear like their voices, mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, you know. I had a friend once said the best thing to do is find a good character to identify with and just use that as your compass when you're lost. Ah, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, you know, it was a uh, man. I had a thought, but it was just uh, hearing him, or you hear, yeah, you hear their voices, but then also what you do is you read their names, but you're never sure how to pronounce it. And you're always like <laughs> waiting for someone else to pronounce it to see how you know to see if it's no, right. That that is completely me. Have you ever seen the audio? There's an meme, and it's an audiobook meme, and it's audiobook readers. They know how to spell it, but they can't read it. It's right. how to say it, but they can't read it. And readers can see it and read it, but not say it. Yeah, exactly. So, was, so uh, how did out. your how did your love though transition into actually writing in it? Um, actually, it was it was pretty easy. I mean, I, I've written for a, like a, I've written for a long time, um, just little little things, and then it wasn't until about two or three years ago when I said, you know what, I really want to just write my own story, and uh, I just kind of took what I loved, characters. And, you know, the things that they go through and just put that into my own, you know, uh, into my own stories. So my, my books, because I have the first book, the second, the third one are written. And I've got a, a, a novella for a prequel and a lot of short stories. But it's all just like what I want. It's what I want to read, but also what readers want to read. I know what that's what they want to read. And it all just stems from the massive amount of fantasy books that I've read in my throughout my entire life. Like tons of fantasy books. Sci-fi too. I like sci-fi, but it's you know fantasy's my wife and sci-fi is the mistress. That, that's uh, I can thing. totally understand that one. So do you have real life experiences that have influenced how you write today and the stories you tell? Yes, actually, I do. Um, so some of my characters are actually bits and pieces from real, from people I've encountered. So uh, uh, you have because um, so I started out as a uh, as a mechanic, and then I spent five years doing uh, it's called um, the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. So it's kind of like NCIS except for the Air Force. So mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of um, like criminal investigations and anti-terrorism, counter-terrorist stuff like that. So uh, some of the people, like there's a character in the Guardian of the Ward that is an interrogator, and he is almost word for word based off of uh, one of my, um, he was a boss that I had, almost like carbon copy based off of him. How he handles things, how he thinks, how I believe that he would behave in a situation like that. So it's, it's actually one of, the people that have read it, it's one of their favorite characters, which is pretty interesting. 
That's awesome. Yeah, it so, is because it was based off of, you know, the person he's based off is such a good person. He's such a knowledgeable person. He's such a patient person. So it was uh it's really nice to see that people really like that character. And it was based off of, you know, a real person. So the, the cool news is that when you get a, a head injury in most life, they call it traumatic brain injury. Boxing is so special because they do it to themselves intentionally that they have its own name for the same traumatic yes. brain injury. They call it pugilitis. Uh, yes. And so as somebody who suffered a few concussions myself, I can tell you that the writing you're doing is at least helping preserve the gray matter. So uh, <laughs> props to you, I guess, right? You're going yeah. to help lay the inevitable, you know, the Mike Tyson vegetable change. state. The inevitable yes. vegetable <laughs> state. Yep, I have to, you know, I'm 37 and I should probably stop. But my goal, I need to win one fight while I'm on the same event as my son. And then I'll stop. That's cool. Because he just started. He's been doing it Just not years. against your son. No, 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 no. Not against he, your he son. He needs to win one and I need to win one. Involved. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done now. I, I could just hear your, your family now. I'm like, so all I got to do is pay the other guy to dive to the mat and he'll stop. My wife all has right. considered that. My wife is, she. I'm pretty sure the next <laughs> fight that we have, she's going to go through. She's going to find the opponent and be like, look, it's just one fight. It's amateur, so it doesn't really matter. I'll pay you $1,000. Just go down first round. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, so before we dive any deeper, because this has been a lot of fun and we've gone down a lot of rabbit holes, we're going to take a moment where we shamelessly shield for the man for a commercial break. Humanity will be free, no matter the cost. Deep in the Guatemalan jungle, buried beneath a forgotten Mayan pyramid, an earth-shattering secret sits waiting. Its discovery will rip apart the illusion that humanity is alone in the universe. Engaged in a life-and-death struggle for the future of mankind, Harry Rogers and Jess Cook are forced to protect this secret from the most despicable foes imaginable. They must race across the globe to complete Liberty Station, the first true interplanetary ship. Only then can they search for the shocking truth behind what they found. They have no room for error, because failure means death for them, and subjugation for everyone else. Presenting Liberty Station, Book One of Humanity Unlimited, written by Terry Nixon. Purchase your copy on Amazon, and learn more about the author and his works at terrymixon.com. All right, thank you for sticking with us through that commercial break. I promise while we were muted and the commercial was playing, Doc was making fun of me like she does. So you can feel some kind of way about how mean she was to me. Um, I know you like I, it I at tell that point. about you, dear listener. It's, it may be your time in like the, said, we put the... Maybe your time in the infantry or I don't our years together, but you seem to like it. I feel I mean, like you, you guys know, are like have brother about, and sister. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we have talked about like we put the fun in dysfunction. So, we actually had a, one of our guests suggest we could do like couples therapy for siblings kind of thing as a podcast mm. episode. But I don't know; that might get a little too real. We might we might end up destroying the show. So we're just going to keep drinking and, and move on. <laughs> but, uh, speaking of your time, well, that's what you do, Doc. Right? You drink. You know, what bar have we? She met has a master's at? in therapy, um, and I've been reading her books. You can definitely see some of the psychology in her books. 
Hey. Not a bad thing, uh, but I'm just like, I don't think anybody needs to hear that kind of stuff. No, no, probably not. Uh, so speaking of uh, your time in the military, you did mention that you served in the Air Force. So we asked all of our authors who are also military veterans this question, but how do you think, the, you've talked about some of the people you've used, but how do you think your time in the Air Force affects the stories as you tell them? You know, it's hard for me to answer that question, mainly because I've been in the Air Force so long, so I have no idea how I would write if I wasn't in it. Um I think it does kind of help though because there's a couple of characters I have in uh, another book and they're uh, they're guards and I can develop that banter between uh, you know lower ranking people and I can write that very well because I'm I've been around it forever so mm -hmm. there is a, a you know a back and forth uh, a way that we that, that veterans and and people in the military joke around with each other that. If you're not in it, you just nobody will you won't get it. No. You won't it's get it. definitely a it fits all the sociology criteria for a microculture, or actually even a culture. I had a teacher who made the argument that it fit the definition of a culture, that that we only define it as a microculture because it's such a small segment of our overall population. Yeah, I mean that that and then within that things. With, within that culture, you, you get it even more microscopic based on certain career paths uh, affecting people differently. Hey, yeah. the best medicine is good. A... <laughs> best preventive medicine is uh, superior firepower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but I mean, you show me a, a pompous jerk and I can almost point out like, oh, he's a fighter pilot. Okay, we'll move on. Hey, what hey, hey, what's nice about Casey? 100 percent she's she's but, not a fighter pilot she's a helicopter pilot it's different no moves they're a different kind of crazy fighter pilots are the oh, most entitled people ever in the history oh we love world. you boy casey you're still awesome <laughs> and i say that with the utmost love because you fix their play and if they yes. make you mad you might pull a pipe or something whatever it is yeah. your mechanics do i just broke but i just play up oh, you're not flying today sorry Sorry. What I did learn was we had a, a first sergeant who thought he was going to make his bones by getting the most combat miles of any trans company in theater. And he did it by volunteering us nonstop, literally from the week we got there to month 14, we were nonstop rolling. And so wow. there were just times where you would deadline your own vehicle. I'm like, I, I don't know what happened. Mechanic, that part just fell off. Our engine won't start. Yeah. You know what the or best we sort of part learned about how to do that ourselves? The best part about being a medic is if your air conditioning unit doesn't work, bullet? your vehicle is automatically deadlined. Wow. So you just don't have AC? We had air conditions in theory, but but yeah, they that. didn't work. But no, but moderate. for medical vehicles, they have to be able to air condition in case we have a patient who has heat stroke. Mm. That's so strange because we in self-made buddy care, they tell us just put them in the shade. I know, but that's buddy thing. care. Buddy care screws <laughs> you over. That's the point of it. <laughs> Find the shade so, in the desert. Exactly. Did you did you ever do the uh, combat lifesaver course? Is that a thing in the Air Force? Uh, it's called self aid buddy care. So I don't know how. It, I don't know if it's like as extensive as maybe your guys's is, but ours is pretty much regulated to two hours CBTs, a fake dummy, and scenarios so what 
when I did ours, we we jokingly, though those who did the course with me called it the lick em, stick em course, because basically all you did is swipe it with an alcohol wipe, give them a, a IV of fluid, and then wait for the real medics to get there and do their thing. Like that was pretty hey. much, you know, are they bleeding? Stop the bleeding. Everything else, give them an IV. Oh, okay. And that was ours it. was like, which mostly we used to sober ourselves up after a, a night. No, ours is like, oh, wait, if it's a statute of limitations. Eye, you have to like put a cup over his eye, and it's just all this crazy stuff. So, so you were CID. I'm just saying, theoretically, statute of limitations is in, uh, expired if I got out in like 07, right? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, we used them when we were drinking. Oh. That's what the IV bags were for. <laughs> you know. You know what? Recover. Pre-game for the next one. My time as like a law enforcement officer in the Air Force just completely, when I went back to the real Air Force, I my care meter dropped to like two. Because it's like I've seen so much bad things. Like I see, like there's this one guy who is um, uh, he we caught him. Uh, he was watching child porn. He had it on his computer. Terrible. One of the worst crimes ever. So when I go back to the real real Air Force and some airman is late for two minutes, I'm like, I I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Our our we had. I worked at brigade and we had two provost, two people in our provost marshal office, and they were very much like that until you did something that actually like registered for them. Yeah. Like, I give a goddamn about that. Yep. And then it did not matter who you were or what your rank was, you were going to regret it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's like, oh, they're like, you have all these higher ups, like, oh, we got to do blah, 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 blah. I'm like, it, in this grand scheme of things, they're not raping people. Let them, let them, let them be late. Let them kind of, you know, take a little bit longer doing the jobs. The planes are going to fly. It's going to be okay. They look at me like, shake their heads. <laughs> like, you guys know I'm right. Come on, man. Come on. I can understand that. Yeah, I haven't it, seen that. It definitely ruined my. It helps uh, if I unmute myself. <laughs> so we've we've talked about how I'm like having a conversation with myself. It was like podcast gold, and you guys all missed it. Uh, so we've talked about how you're tied in the Air Force. Sure, there is, uh, and you can't prove otherwise. So we've talked about how your time in the Air Force affects you as the way you tell stories. But let's talk about a little bit how it affects you as a consumer of of stories, be it movies, mm. video games, board games, whatever. Do you think your time in uniform affects how you engage with content? Absolutely, because when I see the typical uh, anything, um, a movie, a video game, and I see something in the military, it's almost 100% not accurate, and it takes me out of the experience. Like, for instance, Transformers, right? So you had Tyrese. I think in the first movie, he was a staff sergeant, so he'd be like E5. And the second movie, he was like an E9. And Yes! I was like, come on. Come on, man. And then they were like... The, the things that they were doing, the things that they were saying, like, it was just, it just kind of took me out of the story. So, yeah, it kind of ruins a lot of stuff for me. Like, uh, the, okay. the way interrogations go, I can't watch NCIS, I can't watch any cop movie because it's just all completely wrong. So, Wait, wait, you mean you don't just go and gib smack everybody in the back of the head and they tell you everything mm. they know? No, no that's not a parent. No, but there's no like sly yeah. good cop, bad cop, and no, there's none of that. There's everybody asks for lawyers, but in the shows, nobody asks for a lawyer, which is good. You should always ask for a lawyer, but in shows, everyone's like, you know what? I don't remember what my rights are. Uh, you know what? And I'm just gonna tell you everything. 
doesn't work. Yeah. Did you bribe them with cheeseburgers and soda pop from the midden machine and suddenly you have goodwill? No, it was Burger King from the BX or uh, like, was it Manchuwak from the BX too? They wanted that sometimes. So that's all they wanted. Some Burger King. I guess if you're or going to, to Leonardwood. No, not Leonardwood. What's the the big the big military prison? I mean, Leonardwood probably if you're there. Leavenworth. Leonardwood feels like a prison. Leavenworth. 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 If you're going to Leavenworth, I mean, you know, you might want to get that last cheeseburger before you go to Defac Foods. If I was going to Leavenworth, I would be like, hey, look, do you guys want to know where 50 bodies are buried at? Oh, you do? Okay, well, here's what I want. I want some uh, hibachi. I would want some steak. I would yeah, give me I'm everything. With you so far. Uh, give me everything. Give me a, a was it a, a trip with a C seventeen and send a flight. I would want that too. Give me the send a flight on an F thirty five too while you're at it. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Doc. Next question is you. Stop laughing. Okay, getting into things from a fan fun angle. Ooh. So has have you spotted someone reading one of your books out in the wild? Yes, I did. So uh, one of my um, gym mates he 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 boxes too and he sells um and one of his odd jobs because he sells knives which is very okay. funny so he sells knives so he came over one day and he was he did his little presentation i told him i was like look we're not buying any knives but you can come over and do the presentation i know you get paid for that so come over do your presentation but i'm not buying no knives so he did his presentation and then he's sitting down there he's got his phone uh he's got his phone and then he starts reading it out loud, my book. And I was like, first of all, I never told him that I wrote anything. I never told him anything like that. And he started reading it out loud. I was like, that's my book. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I bought it. And <laughs> cool. had no idea. So I thought that was pretty cool. And um, like I said, I never told him. I don't even know how he found out. Maybe my wife told him, but I don't think she, I don't think she did. So I don't know how he found out. I was throwing ads out there for a little bit. So maybe he got caught in the ad. Because he likes a lot of the same things I do. So that could be it. You never know, man. Okay. It's always amazing. It was very, it was the one of the last things that, uh, you know, I expected. So it was pretty cool. So nice. can you give us like the highlight reel of your body of work? So, so let's see. Published right now is book one, The Guardian of the Word of the Guardian series. Um, book two, book three are done the novella which is a prequel to book one is done and two short stories are done so that's the that is my body of work i've uh ghost written some stories before uh to some people but i don't think i don't think anyone's read their books so but i've ghost written so since you mentioned guardian of the ward can you give us what the premise of this universe was and where you came up with it was it mres you know slumming with the art the the army the real what was it no no so uh, actually what you? it was was um i was uh you guys been to qatar right mm -hmm. so i was in there and then um it was i was on night shift it was uh very cold and i was sitting in an inlet right because I'm sitting in the C-17 inlet. I was just fixing a, a, a blade. And I'm scrolling through. Because um, they have Wi-Fi out there. So I'm scrolling through my phone. And I see this picture of this. Uh, everyone's seen it. But it's this teddy bear that's standing on the bed. And he's pointing his sword at a monster. And I was like, that is awesome. Yes. That is dope. So I was like, you know. And then 
boom, my mind just starts taking over. Oh, what if it was this? What if there was this? What if, and then uh, that's when it just kind of, I sat on it for probably about the whole deployment. And I started just writing down some of the concepts that I had. You know, I wanted a, I wanted an empire to be there. So I had that. I wanted uh, different cities to be there. I wanted um, all the, you know, you have all the monsters. I wanted that to be there, but I wanted it to kind of make sense. So that took a while to kind of make, have everything make sense. Uh, I wanted the teddy bear to i just didn't want didn't want it the story to just be a teddy bear fighting monsters i wanted it to have a whole world behind it so uh the premise is pretty much you have the cast empire um and it ruled the land for you know a good two thousand years before they were betrayed and then about two-thirds of the cast empire went away they kind of defected they became what's known as the traitors and that left like the last third kind of struggling and the cast empire's whole job is to protect the wards which are sleeping children in another dimension and the only way that you can survive in that dimension is with like a shell and the teddy bears of the shell so they take the the cast most the greatest warriors in the cast and they kind of infuse the teddy bears with the souls of the warriors so then they can go and defend the wards in the uh other land or the other dimension sort of so that's kind of the premise to the to the book it's a really awesome is premise there be an audiobook oh uh, yes cool is there gonna be an audiobook it will there will be an audiobook um and i just need to find a really good person to to narrate it we know some narrator so be a male narrator you gonna do male yes. narrator or female narrator? I, I yeah. hear a male male voice in my head, probably because I'm a male. So I I I, so I, I need some recommendations. I'm not sure if they have openings in their schedule, but I got some names for you. Well, it'll be like it so, won't be anytime soon, but all the easier. I'll let I'll I'll give you so, Nick Podell well, is my favorite audiobook narrator. Really? Yes. Well. And I, I, I know him. I'll introduce you. Please do. Because, like I said, I, I've worked, you know, um, what, this the story. Once I had the concept, it didn't really take me that long to write. It took probably took me about six or seven months to write. And then it went through, you know, the editing processes and all of that. So shout out to Robert for making that cover. Um, That's an awesome cover. Jared, put it back up. He he is phenomenal. Oh, we connected on um I, we connected on Instagram, and I told him what I wanted, and I swear it was like he just as soon as I told him what I wanted, I swear it was like he just reached into my brain and took exactly what I wanted out and put it right there. And I'm I not love just saying it. that, but he's just so he's gonna do all my covers forever, and. That's that. So, so I was going to ask you about the story about that cover, but uh, you beat me to it, and that's oh, organic yeah. and good. So we will take it. I like the cover. I can see, you know, what you did. Um, so let's talk about the book itself more. So, what would your thirty-second elevator pitch for this novel be? Sure. So it was described uh, from my beta readers as um, uh, Mistborn meets Naruto. 
is pretty much what everyone kind of <laughs> describes it as. And I don't, awesome. know, I don't know where they, uh, I, I don't know where they kind of got that from because I don't remember like any Naruto thoughts in my mind when I was writing it. Um, but I took, uh, so yeah, that would be the 32nd um, pitch. Do you have excessively complicated names? Uh, uh, say again, I'm sorry. Do you have excessively complicated names? No, no, I got a uh, not. I think the most complicated one is uh, the the demons' names, but I mean that's about it. I mean, it's one name. Sanderson with Mistborn has some uh, heavy duty naming there. He sure does. Uh, but <laughs> I like the um, was it the Stormlight archives better yeah. than the Mistborn ones? Yes. So, well, we're I not mean, here to talk about that guy Sanderson. Sanderson, who nobody's heard of, um, but we're here to talk about this this new up and coming artist who's going to put him to shame. His name is Reginald Lewis. You might have heard about him. Uh, what do you think is is about Reginald Lewis's books that makes that series so special? Uh, it would definitely have to be the um, the characters and the dialogue and pretty much the uniqueness of the world. Um, my editor, everyone that said it and that's read it, said that uh, this is a great book. Uh, this is definitely something that is unique in a good way. Um, and the characters are, as everyone says, they're amazing. Um, there's a, there's a great twist at the end that nobody really saw coming. So I was pretty happy about that. And, um, you just really need to read it because, uh, was it Indies Today? They said it was like an amazing book. They give it four out of five stars. Uh, they said it was just a, um, a unique new fantasy world. So. I was pretty happy about that. But. All right. So before Doc, you ask your questions, we just want to put that out there. If you're really listening, Brandon Sanderson, you can come on the show anytime we want. We're just joking around. Hi, <laughs> I, I found him. He's a really nice guy. He seems nice. He he is a very nice I mean, guy, and um, you know, and and he works really hard for all the success he had he's had and and helping people too. So, um, he he is. I was mostly but, just joking around. So which, Doc, next question is yours. I know. I was going to get ask him. So which tropes do you think you really uh, pulled out and played with for this? Ooh, the tropes. I definitely have the uh, the roguish trope down. Um, I, I like that one. But I don't know if this is a trope. But uh, So there's a there's a character in there. His name is Everett. He's an Inquisitor. But um, so have you guys read, let's see. Have you guys read um, Gardens of the Moon? Malazan? No. no. Okay. So he's kind of a, an eccentric, smart, quirky type of person. And I don't know what trope that is, but. Uh, uh, the mad scientist the... trope, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I would go with mad scientist trope. Something like that. He's very quirky. He's very eccentric. Um, and everyone says that I did that trope extremely well. So that was a, a good trope. And that's. um. That's a that's a good character that people kind of liked was Everett. So um okay. JR loves to make me ask about the subgenre question. So which subgenres do you think your story really fits into? Ooh, so Amazon Amazon has it listed as sword and sorcery. And okay. I agree with that. And I mean, if there's a strange Naruto fantasy subgenre, I guess it would belong to that. So, but other than that, sort of sorcery. 
So who's your main character? Because you've told us a lot about the world, but not really about who your main character is. Okay, so it's a multi-POV uh, fantasy. Okay. Uh, so the main characters are going to be uh, Aiden. He's um, a student that's kind of coming up in the cast empire. They're training him. He's part of a uh, he's part of a um, very secretive class. Then you have Everett, the Inquisitor. You have Earth, the Guardian, who you see right there on the cover. Uh, you have Sna, who is the interrogator, and then you have Gildar, who is a scout. Those are your uh, those are your main characters. That sounds like a really good D and D adventure party. Um, does so maybe. on a... <laughs> not with them though, because so we're on also a scale... different. Hmm. So on a scale of zero to Lord of the Rings, how much walking is involved in your fantasy novel? I would say about two. Two. Not a lot of walking. I mean, he is Air Force. Okay. Yeah, we don't walk. So. I just didn't want any flashbacks or... to the light infantry, okay? I just needed to know. We don't we don't ruck either. We just kind of sit in our chairs and or fly. See? Uh, that's the yeah. life, man. All right. So uh nobody snuck into an army base to get an MRE, but we certainly snuck onto the Air Force base for their defects. I'm just gonna leave it right there. You know, so, I can't even what like... about that email I sent you was, it, it kind of actually did happen. I had a friend in the army. I was in a, a hotel and I went down there to see how he was doing. So it <laughs> did happen somewhat. His, his email was just enough irreverence that he got our attention. <laughs> so uh, what about, you, you mentioned the, the main sort of POV characters, but what about secondary characters? Are there any that sort of stuck out to you? Um, yes, I would say the, uh, the, prote- or the antagonist definitely stuck out to me. Um, and then, so with Aiden, you have a lot of his classmates. So, uh, there's a girl, her name is Iha, and she definitely stuck out to me too. Um, I put a little bit of my, uh, my wife in, in her, uh, so she's definitely stuck out in there, stuck out. Uh, who else? We got? Um, so... A lot of the monsters that Earth fights, I kind of identify with them. I like them a lot, even though he, he kills a lot of them, but I like them. So hopefully putting your wife in the story doesn't bite you in the ass later, but if no, you do, just advice, buy a better couch. Just <laughs> no, make sure you have a not. good quality couch. It, it, you know, just, just put that out there. Um, so what about the bad guys? How much can you tell us about them without obviously giving spoilers? Cause... Ooh, okay. So there's all right so with the bad guys you have uh we have a couple of them so you have the essium okay so those are kind of like your standard those would be like your demons uh your monsters that sort of thing um you have your traitors so those are people that defected from the cast empire and you have the outsiders all right but not a lot is mentioned about them there's just some foreshadowing and um that's really the main villains and they're all trying to get the wards and that's kind of explained throughout the book. I would go into it, but it, it's kind of in delves into spoiler territory about what the wards are and what they represent and all that, but it's all explained in the book, but the Essium and the traitors are definitely the main villains of this book. And they're trying to get the wards. So, They're trying to, uh, yeah. That, without, I can't spoil anymore. But that's what they're trying to do. 
So based on that book cover, it looks like the kind of bedtime story Major Payne would tell. So tell me, are you going to put his character in there? Are you going to have like a Major Payne trope? Because no, there's no do, Major like, Payne I'm, trope. I'm there. There's no Major Payne trope. Uh, in one of my prologues, though, I do Daddy have the, sure ain't uh, happy. the the insufferable bureaucrat. He's a uh, he, he's he's a uh, I don't know why I just thought of that, but that's the trope that just really stuck out to me the insufferable annoying bureaucrat that wants red tape and wants to ruin everything so. that's because if you've spent a single day in the military you've met one yes of course <laughs> of course that's why everybody hates the commissars in the 40k universe because it's like oh i knew that sergeant <laughs> i love the 40k so, universe uh, it's awesome it, it's sometimes it a little grim dark but it is um, I've been having to educate JR about the 40k universe and what heresy begets retribution. Really, yeah. uh, What my favorite one? Some of my favorite sci-fi books are. um, Was it the uh, Eisenhorn series? Mm -hmm. Oh, Abnet. Like those are. Yes. We we have to get him on the show. We talk so much about 40k. We ought to get them to sponsor us. (laughs) I mean, what's your armies? What are your guys' armies? Uh, he didn't have any armies. I had a, it was, it wasn't 40 K, but I had wood elves. Oh, okay. And I had SOBs, sisters mm-hmm. of battle. Now we did have space Marines, Tau, um, Tyranids. Tyranids were mine. At one point, my family had 15 games workshop armies Ooh. and five people. So, <laughs> My son was interested in it once, and we were looking for ways to try to do something with him to bond. And he said, that sounds cool. Let's do that, Daddy. So I spent a couple hundred dollars and bought the starter kit. And then we spent a couple hundred more and bought all the damn paint. And we painted that crap for hours and hours. I probably got a contact high just from the paint fumes. And then Mm -hmm. once we got to actually play the game, there was a ruler, and you're doing angles and doing a little bit of geometry and math. He's like, this is math. I'm done. I'm like, the hell you are. Do you know how much I just spent? <laughs> We're playing and you're going to like it. Yeah. No, 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 no. I still have in the basement, we have a wall of armies and terrain. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. No, it, it, it was a, it's even my nine-year-old has his Warhammer stuff. Hey, your son, so it just so you know, dear listeners who might be a little concerned, uh, my Warhammer army is no longer being abused or neglected. You can stop the Sarah McLaughlin music. Uh, Logan Scott, another author I know, is a veteran who also gets a shout out in my reservist uniform. Uh, he's the sergeant major in that universe. I mailed them to him because him and his wife are uber nerds. Uh, they Instead of sword arts, they had like the 501st guys doing the saber or lightsaber arch. I mean, they're, they're that kind of nerds. He's a Marine, so who's going to tell him otherwise, though? Because he could punch you in the face. Mm. Um, yeah so they are no longer abandoned they are now being used just good and relax they went to a good home yeah no Uh, i definitely paint job what i said the paint job he probably had to strip them and start all over again that's fine simple green works you just put them in a little container shake them around put them in some simple green i know how to do this The, the weird thing is when you're trying to be like cool with your mom and not your my mom came out and visited when i was at one one which is a heavy infantry unit or armor unit and my mom's going wow you have real one you it looks just like your rhino and i'm like shut up <laughs> <laughs> Shh, they're all gonna hear 
I don't. Oh, my auntie is going, what's a rhino? <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah. thanks, Mom. Yeah, can you go back? All that stuff to is cool it's, it's cool to do all that stuff now. Yeah, not in the air, not, yeah, not when I used to be. Yeah, no, definitely not. But yet. So, used to be. so, yeah, we, we were nerds before nerds were cool. Um, so speaking of, of characters and getting back on track to the Reginald show and not the Warhammer 40, Warhammer 40k show, who doesn't sponsor us, but if you want to reach out, Black, uh, Black Library. We'll talk. We'll maybe talk some more because we're doing it right now for free just because Doc's addicted and we need to fund her crack habit. Um, but well, if your you know, I might have had a hope of recovery until I found out Henry Cavill also paints and then I'm like done. Oh, there goes her the addiction down that sad, sad range of uh, plastic crack. But um, no uh, lie, you gained author, five extra hotness points. So all I need to do is play. Okay, now I'm taking notes. Um, so we're as authors, we you tend to do horrible things. I'm too short. I know. We we establishing. We do horrible things to our characters. So if your characters met you in a back alley and they knew who you were and all the hell you put them through, how do you see that interaction playing out? Well, uh, Gildar would definitely try and kill me, um, and he could definitely do it. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an experienced boxer. I know jujitsu. I know Muay Thai, but he can still kill me easily, and he would definitely kill me. Um, so, uh, one of the rules in the cast empire is no bonds, right? No bonds. You can't have any bonds to anybody. So we can't have like family. Um, they put families together to have kids, and then they take the kids away at like three years old. So. Yeah. Get, Gildar's kids were taken, um, but he and his wife fell in love, and they tried to, you know, keep it hidden. And I uh, end up using that against him in the story, and he wouldn't like that. He would definitely, in the in an alleyway, he would definitely stab me, shoot me with an arrow, <sighs> yeah, and then probably light my body. And stab you in the old, the stab you in the arrow wound just to make sure. Yeah, and then pour oil in the arrow wound and light me on fire. So and he would be perfectly justified. He sounds mm -hmm. very thorough. Yeah, yeah, he would be perfectly justified. He sounds justified. like some Marines I know, so. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. definitely some Marines. All right, Doc. Next is you. Put the yarn down. Stop your crocheting. I don't crochet, you bastard. Okay. Yes, I knit. I don't tie yeah. knots. I do loops. Anyways. You have 20 <laughs> sticks that you stab at yarn for therapy. I mean, it's the same thing. Yes. I like that way. Stab at yarn. That's a nice yes. way of putting it. I, I do stab at yarn. It's okay. Um, so what would your favorite character archetype be? And did you use that one here? Uh, yes. The roguish. The roguish type. And it is definitely used here. Um, that would be... Uh, uh, I would say Aiden, one of the main characters, is kind of like, or is is the rogue type. So, yes, I definitely use that here. Uh, I use it also in one of my uh, short stories as well. So, that is my favorite. Would, would you consider Tazelhoff to be the roguish type, or would he be like the mischievous trickster type? I think he would be a cross-class on that one. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> Doc stabs yarn so she doesn't stab JR. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, you know, it's but, true. Yeah, that, yeah, 
So it would definitely be the roguish type. Um, so how give us a peek about how some of the sausage was made for this. Were there any cool scenes that you or ideas you cut from the first book so that you could use them later? Like yes. They just so I had a uh, one of Aiden's mentors. Um, I had a whole backstory kind of for him, and then um, the editor and I agreed that that was just completely unnecessary in the book. So I cut it. I was sad; I didn't want to cut it, so I kept it, and I'm gonna use it. I used it for a short story. So I was very sad. That sounds legit. Yeah. So, so that short story that you mentioned—that's the uh, some of the backstory. When when can readers get that, and where can they get that? They will get that probably. Let's see, the thirteenth next month, probably February tenth, depending on when Robert is done drawing the art. They can get it, and it will be free. Uh, it'll be a reader magnet for my newsletter. So sign up for the newsletter. You're going to get a really good short story that um, describes the backstory to a pretty good character in the book. So you mentioned you're a little bit of a nerd and you, you do the D&D stuff as well, some, some tabletop gamings. And so uh, how do you see, could you see this working in some of those uh, settings uh, if somebody was a super enough fan? Yeah, I mean, you could turn anything into a D&D setting so you can definitely turn this one into a DD setting i'd actually never really thought of that until you just mentioned that so so now he's going to have more homework to go and convert everything goodness his wife won't see him for months at a time i'm sorry it'll nope. all be your fault really. jr it, yeah you just definitely then she can stab yarn another... instead of stabbing me as well and there'll be more shutters in the world that are ugly <laughs> I Another don't make ugly, ugly sweaters, sweaters, you rat faced turd ball. <laughs> Where are these sweaters? Are they I'm, like I'm just on, I want to see one. Well, you know, like the ugly I, Christmas I sweaters. I was working on the holiday because I'm a past. super geek. Oh. Oh yeah, I love ugly Christmas sweaters. I was just I was just riffing off the ugly sweater trend for the holidays because this is filmed like right after Christmas just passed, people. Jeez. That is true. Christmas don't always assume the worst. You know, I should know. Okay, We're sometimes in Air Force. We get all of our holidays, so I should have known that. I mean, we yeah. we glued a Santa hat to our Humvee uh, on the turret guard right as we were going through downtown Baghdad for Christmas. Does that count as celebrating? We fired yes. off fireworks, and that we sent like them to the bad guys. They sent them back. It was it was festive. That sounds like a celebration that I would like to be a part of. A real celebration. It was fun. As long as I they mean, miss. When they start actually hitting you, not so much. But um, so yeah. The Guardian of the Ward is clearly a series. There's one published book. You mentioned book two and three are done and covers are being made and editing passes are being done. Uh, prequel um, novella and short story are available. But after that, is the story done? Is there more? Where do you see this universe going? You know, I I really enjoy this universe. Um, there's just a lot I can do. And I have so many ideas that I just need to just either write them down the short stories and novellas or just completely get rid of them. So this series is going to go on for as long as I want it to go on. I have an ending already. I already know what the ending is. So that's not a problem. Um, but I know some of the people that have read the book, they're like, hey, what happened to this guy or what happened to this person? And I'm like, oh, great. Now more ideas start popping up. So those can, you know, kind of branch off. And 
I blame Dragonlance for this because they had three main books and then they had all these branching books that branched off into all these different characters and they were side characters in the main books and became main characters in their own books and I kind of blame characters are people too. Yeah, I blame Dragonlance for that cuz like I said it's a you know so it's, it's an inspiration for this book and uh the way they did it is also an inspiration so I see a lot of books being made about side characters and um uh and different things that happened in the past and you know this little thing that happened there so i think that's awesome i really so, like that versus trying to make a huge book that encompasses all of every character every time it just gets to be messy so yeah. because you know you have combat in your books and you have some martial arts training yourself as well as, you know, your stuff in the air force. When you plan out your battles, do you just sort of wing it when you write or do you use like sand tables and go all strategic? <laughs> no, uh, I am what they call them, a, a pantser pantser. That's what I, especially that because it's like so ingrained in me. I just write it out. And then the editor actually got mad at me because he said that my fight scenes were way too detailed, which they were way too detailed and i had to, i had to, yeah i had to scale it back it was like the i had it to where he was pivoting his foot and twisted his hip and he was like no 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 that's way too much like one sequence of combat which would be just like two punches thrown were at one point i got so into it it, it was like five pages and he's like you need to cut that down by like 99 percent obviously he does not read your editor well get a no, new I, get a new editor i'm just saying that sounds glorious <laughs> yeah well i have a uh you might you'll probably like the um uh one of the short stories because it's got i decided to just go all nerd out on my combat and i'm gonna do it there oh so when i wrote my first book i i, I took it to the extreme i wrote a t-o-n-e i named every character in every spot in the t-o-n-e whether they had a speaking role or not or you even knew who they were and then when i had people Hell die yeah. i'm like oh corporal joe you don't know him but he just died and bob over here got promoted i had stories yes. for everybody and then i realized that's too god dang much work and i don't do that anymore yeah but i but still I like that like though. you know you I, I do. It, it's 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 a drug you have to fight against. But so every literary, I know it's the it's the cross we we bear. So every yeah. literary universe has their own internally consistent rules of science, technology, and magic. In this case, magic. So what sort of magic can we expect from these books? Oh, so you have um, pretty much the magic. Everyone that is a mage is a master of uh, either one or two elements. And then you also, so you have fire, uh, you have lightning, uh, all that. And then you also have just general sorcery. So you can have, you know, the telekinesis, all that. And um, so that's what you can expect. Uh, It's not, it doesn't get too deep into the weeds as far as magic goes. Um, It's there, you know, it's there, but uh, it's just kind of like, it's more focused on, you're not making uh, a science manual out of it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. You're not making a science manual out of it. That's a perfect way to put it. So, <laughs> so of all the magic, and if you invented any tech for this universe as well, what would be what you wanted for daily use? 
Ooh, what would I want to be for daily use? Uh, definitely flight. 100% flight. So how would you abuse it? Um, no traffic. So <laughs> I wouldn't have to sit in traffic. That's the number one way I'm going to abuse it. No, that's not even abuse. That's like a responsible way of using it. <laughs> would you buzz the tower? I'm just asking. Gosh. I'd buzz the tower. I could fly. Yeah, I would buzz the tower. That's pretty good. I mean, you're in the Air Force. Buzz the tower. Yeah, I would do that. I guess I would make the pilots mad. That would be that would be fun, too. I would make the pilots mad. Or, you know what? I know what I would do. They would be flying, and then I would go up there and watch them fly. And then as soon as they do something to break something, I'd be like, ha, look, I caught you. You did it on purpose. So, <laughs> then I would go back and I would or, or you wear something highly reflective. You sneak up at night because they don't know you can fly yet, and you convince everyone there's a UFO. Yeah, yep, that's a good idea. Hmm, that is that is a right. good way to abuse something too. So, how did you go about creating the fantastic creatures you have in your universe? Um, that's pretty much all just inspiration from different things I've seen. Uh, so this hooded guy right here, whose uh, name you could find in the book, uh, that is, that was inspired from a video game. It was a final fantasy, final fantasy tactics. Yeah. So he was kind of inspired from, uh, one of the monsters in final fantasy tactics. So I can totally see that. That's where I, I kind of got him. It's not exactly word for word, but it's definitely, the hood is definitely there. And the, um, the little uh, ribbons coming from his cloak is definitely for Final Fantasy. So that's where I kind of get all my stuff from. All experience, anime, video games, books. Uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. That's a that's an acceptable answer. So clearly uh, we've been at this for a little bit. Uh, we've wandered wide and far afield. Uh, when you really think about it, though, dear listener, it's all Doc's fault. So blame her and send the hate mail to Doc. Um, but as this show is winding down, it's a good thing uh, your mom likes anything we didn't... She does. It's kind of disgusting. Uh, was there anything about the Guardians of the Ward that we didn't ask that you wanted to tell us before we move on? Um, the Guardian of the Ward is, I would say, it's kind of a. If you guys, if the readers enjoy Dragonlance, if you guys enjoy a lot of that uh, kind of 90s fantasy, it's kind of a love letter to that. But it's got a lot of, uh, you know, what I would, what I wanted to see in it, you know, when I was reading it. So I think that is something that people should know. It's a love letter to those uh-huh. 90s fantasy books. Dragonlance, was, there's a, the Enchanted Forest Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Was it the I, uh, talking I to dragons? I think. Think so. Yeah, but that right there, um, a lot of that stuff. It's a love letter and all that stuff. So, if you like that, you like this. Okay, fair, fair. All right. So before we let you go, dear listener, we would like you to uh, do your part as consumers of content. So please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. Um, so, you know, do your part and, and even bad reviews can help sell a product. Uh, I have seen reviews that said this book has entirely too much cussing. And I'm like, dude, sign me up. So you know who hey, I you am. Uh, 
correct. I saw one that said uh, this book was written like a 12-year-old with ADHD wrote gun porn, but that actually didn't sell the book because I wrote that book, but I definitely, if they would have let me, I would have used that in my ad campaign. Oh, because I'm like, dude, do you know me? Absolutely. So, you know, sometimes even the bad reviews can can help the right readers find the right books. And I'm not telling you to go out there and savage the reviews, people. These people uh, put their heart and soul into their products. Uh, and chances are, if you didn't like it, you didn't finish it anyway. So no harm, no foul. But uh, but yeah, do your part and share a review. So um, are you one of the ones who doesn't read your reviews, Reggie? No, I don't usually read reviews. Um, that is... Uh... Sometimes they could be depressing in the beginning. I get it. Yeah, no, I just, I don't know. I, I don't really, I don't know why. I just don't. I mean, the most, the most That's crushing thing. you have thing, your wife for, to scan right? them for you. Oh, say again? That's yeah. what your wife is for. Make her, like, you know, scan through and, and pull out the crushing one so you only get the good stuff. That's a good idea. But knowing her, she'll probably be like, guess what this person said about you? And then she'll just start laughing. She'll start oh. giggling under her breath. She'll like <laughs> see whenever I say anything that might not be positive, I try to at least make it constructive. Mm. Like I, I will yeah. admit, there was only one review where I was, was like, "I cannot believe you did that," and that's because they literally wrote "to be continued" at the end of the book, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" So my favorite though is when too, there's you know those things never take less than a year to come out. So the uh, the best ones, and there's actually a website that tracks some of the wacky, although a lot of them have gotten purged, but there's some of the wacky reviews you used to get on Amazon. And one of them was for a friend of the show, um, um, Scott Moon, who got a review of his book that said, these are not the Jimmy Dean sausages I ordered. And I'm like, dude, how do you feel? <laughs> So, so sometimes the reviews can entertain. There is, there is still a re, uh, a, a review out there for the gummies, the um, Hasbro gummies, and it's like almost a thousand words owed to what it did to his gastrointestinal system, in ways I cannot say on a family friendly show, but you should go look it up because it's hilarious. I, I died laughing, and then when they resurrected me, I read it to everyone else so they could die too. It was hilarious. I have a friend who's an author and she said when she feels bad about her reviews, she goes and looks at the reviews of like places like Stonehenge, which too many stones don't like it. I know she's like, it makes you feel better. It doesn't oh. make sense, but it makes you feel better because nobody is going to be a hundred percent happy with you. Oh no. Yeah. No. Uh, I think there are some people who just like to be unhappy. And so they just look for reasons. You, you follow the review back sometimes and you want to see, okay, did they just not like my book and they read all the other genres. So it's maybe has weight. And then you get to them and inevitably they hate everything. Like when they are calling people like David Weber and Stephen King, um, two bit hacks who don't deserve to be published. And I'm like, what? so you basically don't like anyone. Okay. I'm in good company. Have a nice day. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one way company. to do it, but but that's a that's a that's a little bit too uh, behind the scenes inside baseball stuff, and we keep this fan focused. So for your fans who want to follow you and stalk you on the internet, as you do, Reginald Lewis. I'm repeating the name so they know what to look up. Reginald Lewis. How can listeners find you? Sure, you can find me at my website reginaldlewis.net. Uh, you can find my uh, find me on Twitter at uh, Fifth of Fiction. Uh, and then you could find me on Instagram at the same name, Fists of Fiction. Um, my Twitter, I'm usually talking about boxing or other random nonsense. 
So if you like that, you'll like my feed. I'm not like the typical authors. They always talk about like writing and books. I'm always talking about weird things and boxing and just strange stuff. So if you like that. All I know about boxing is that scene in the show and the movie Annapolis was a little bit about boxing. Oh, yeah. I love Snickers that had. Snickers had that that commercial where the guy had his ears, uh, his hands over his ears, and he's like crying because he's about to go out there. And the, his coach is like, "What's wrong? We've trained for this." And he says, "I'm fighting Mike Tyson." And he takes his hands away, and his ears are freaking huge. <laughs> right after that incident happened, oh, so like that's the extent that I one. know about boxing. Oh, oh nice. and uh, um, the one guy, um, George Foreman, named all his kids George. Like that—that's my yes. boxing knowledge right there. Yes, he does. Which is kind of good because you never have to get the name wrong. They're all just George. George, one, two, three, four. So, I think he has like six kids. I I hope he gave them better middle names so they don't need therapy. But um, so you can find us, dear listener, on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email the show at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. You can send your hate mail to Doc at blasters and blades podcast.com. <laughs> she loves the letters. Tell her how pineapple on pizza is wrong and it's heretical and she should cease and desist. You could join all of our shenanigans on our Facebook group, facebook.com backslash groups, backslash a blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups, backslash a blasters and blades podcast. You can support the show on our website, which is anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. That is our website, but you can also support us there on a monthly reoccurring basis, much like a Patreon model. Or you can support the show on buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley. Be sure to put in the show notes that it's for the podcast. And I promise I will keep Doc Seska and Nick Garber duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. Never surrender. Yes. Wait, if Nick doesn't show up for a few more episodes, can I get his ration? Give it to me. Sure, you can get his rum rations. We might have to replace him with the Air Force guy because he likes to punch people. I, and, I mean that's like qualification to be around us. It that's our if kind you're in the military. You either get punched or, or punch people. That's that's what I've known. I just confuse. Sometimes them. you're the statue. Sometimes you're the bird. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. For real, it was a it was a good time. Um, this has been awesome and amazing. So thank you for spending some of your precious time with us, and dear listeners, especially to you guys, go find some good books. Come. Buy his book. It sounds amazing. I will be yes, reading it. Buy it. So, what? I said, yes, buy it and tell me about it. All right, hold on. This exactly. is super important, Doc. Before you finish your your outro, for we didn't ask, but based on the cover and the concept, how youth-friendly is this? Because some of the listeners listen with their kids. Is this something they can let read with their oh, kids? Oh, yeah. Let it's not. It's, it doesn't. I don't think it has one cuss word, which is a damn in there, I think. But other than that, it's got some blood, so I would say it's like... Oh, they learn more... Kids learn worse than that on Roblox, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So I would say it's uh, your average Dragon Ball Z. If your kids can watch Dragon Ball Z, you can watch this. Or uh, Avatar, you can watch... They can read this. Awesome. No sex scenes, no nothing crazy. So it's just good old-fashioned epic fantasy. You know who else doesn't write sex scenes, Doc? Hmm. I don't write sex scenes anymore. Hey. Anymore. Don't Anymore. ask, don't tell. I, 
So this is funny, and I don't know if I've ever said this on air, but I wrote a, a sex scene in my first book because the main series premise doesn't have FTL. So people go on ice, they go in cryo, and then they wake up when they're ready to fight. And so you could have, in theory, because time dilation is a thing, you could be 18 and meet your great-grandchild who's an old oh. man because you've been iced and he hasn't kind of thing. So I was trying to set up that for series longevity. So I had a sex scene so the main character could have a baby later. The series went different directions because I had to loop it back into the main series and the author took a left turn when originally he was going to take a right. But when I sent that to my first line reader, which is my mother, she sent me lots of detailed edits on that scene. Says, I don't know what you and your wife are doing, but go practice and then rewrite this scene. And that was the end of that. I'm, I, I can't do it. I'm too scarred. I'm still in therapy, people. Oh, no. I, was, I don't know how you're still alive. I, I, I don't know. I'm like Preservatives in the MREs. Oh, yeah, probably, man. probably. But Doc, bring it home on that sour note. So for uh, Nick Garber, Jr., who needs all the help he can get, I'm Suska. This was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. We'll be back next week where we torture Jr. and make fun of him for all of his scars. <laughs> Enjoy our uh, nerd. What? I says tis true. This is true. Enjoy uh, geekiness true. and nerdnum. Um, have a wonderful time. All right. Have a nice one, folks.